You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The idea I had when I came here was to return this place to the winning tradition that it ultimately is and to create a culture that lasts beyond my time here. And with the opportunity to come back, just both of those doors are wide open waiting for us to walk through them. So I'm really excited for this next year. It's been an unbelievable year. I think everyone reflects on it as we even headed into the 2021 new year. And, um, you know, for us being able to come back out in spring ball, what a crazy, you know, last however many 20 months or whatever it's been for everybody. And to be able to get out here and kind of get around the guys, that part's been awesome. And uh, I know it's been crazy for everyone, not just the guys in the football world, but uh, for us to be able to come out and hopefully have the start to a, a you know, somewhat normal cycle here, work in the spring, and uh, hopefully we can get you know through the summer and uh, then into the fall kind of back on track. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus. Spring football, guys, is officially back. It started we were in person like twice in the last week at Memorial Stadium. I mean, my God, 2020 is behind us as we were at Pro Day. Um, at least I was at Pro Day last week, but then all of us were at uh, post-practice media following Wednesday's practice and got to interview the coaches. And I know it sounds like a little thing, but that's the first time we've been over just around the program. So we're trying to turn the page here, moving forward, a new year, uh, a new outlook, and um, you, you, you just sense – and I think it's every year like this, guys, but you sense a lot of optimism about this team. Um, you know, there's a lot of parts there, but I also sense a caution, a caution right now that nobody wants to say too much right now because obviously <laughs> a lot of people have said a lot in the last three, four years and have been burnt by saying it. And uh, Nebraska's at a point where they need to prove it, but there's a lot to like about this team. You heard JoJo Dolman um, to start out the segment there. Um, he's one of six guys that decided to come back on defense. Five of them are six-year seniors, Cam Taylor-Britt. And then you, you return some other key starters. I mean, you have eight guys returning on defense that have played at least three, if not four full years on the field in the defensive system for this coaching staff. And that defense, I, I've been on some arguments about this. The defense got a lot better last year. There's no doubt about it. And, and it comes with experience. So there's a lot to look at. And, you know, the, there's some key guys they've added on the offense, but I'm as interested and excited about watching this spring as I have been in a while. Well, it's a critical spring for Scott Frost and, and this program. I mean, they have to take a step in the right direction and actually show it on the field. I mean, it's no more about this building and we know what this thing is going to be in time. The time is now. And so I do think that there's there's optimism within the program about the team that they've been able to build over the last three years. I mean, the, the defense is as good as it's been since Scott Frost has been here, and probably even before that. Uh, the offensive line has been reshaped just with the way they've recruited there and the types of players uh, they've been able to bring up who are now you know, in their second, third year in the program and are established players. And uh, you have a you know, proven multi-year starter at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I mean, those are the pieces you need to win in the league. Now, obviously, there's some major question marks, receiver, running back, special teams uh, that still need to be answered. But 
Um, they have check marks, I think, on some of the most important aspects of what it takes to win in the Big Ten. And if they can figure out a way to uh, not be their own worst enemy and create all these little mental mistakes and, you know, uh, find ways to win, uh, I think that the, the steps will be taken um, if all goes to plan. Now it's a matter of getting out there and doing it. And to me, I think that's the biggest part of, of what I want to see or hear this spring is is how this team is eliminating those mistakes, uh, how they're gonna getting out of their own way because they do. They've got they've got the best depth uh, across the board. I think at, at the key position groups, um, you know, that especially in the trenches. Exactly in the Big Ten, there's nothing more important than having depth and and having you know size, strength, athleticism in the trenches, and and they've got it now. Finally, it's taken a while to get there, but now you know, once you have that, you got to get out of your own way. And that's special teams that that is just uh, you know not committing penalties or, or you know having a lack of focus when it comes to a bad snap or whatever the case may be. I think to me that's as big as anything this spring is um, you know beyond who's going to step up at wide receiver or running back or whatever. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk opening headlines here to start out as spring practice began this week. Uh, they went Tuesday, Wednesday. They'll also go Friday. This week, it's pretty much it's three practices a week for five straight weeks in a row. So um, this will be really one or one of six spring shows we do as we'll, we'll recap the red white game as well. So uh, for the next six weeks, it's going to be a lot of football talk and what we hear, what we learn from spring practice. Guys, special teams, as we know, has been just a grease fire the last few years for Nebraska. There's other words I could use, yeah. but we're carried across the state on a lot of lovely affiliates that I would like to stay on. So, <laughs> you, you know, Scott Frost said, though, this week, and I wanted to get clarification on that um, when, I, when we asked him this, but Mike Dawson will carry the special teams coordinator title, but will he? Will it be Bill Bush kind of running more things behind the scenes? Um, you know, there's a lot of things, um, you know, with special teams. But the bottom line is you can sense how much more emphasis is being placed in special teams. I feel like a year ago it was hard for Scott Frost to make a move on Javon DeWitt. And then he thought he had a plan laid out with Sean Snyder, and that backfired. And they talked to Dan Jackson, I think, as well, um, who went to Northern Illinois and then they just kind of had to settle on. I'm going to say it. They settled on Jonathan Rutledge. It was a bad hire. It didn't work out. No, no matter what you say, it did not work out. And they had to change it up. And I, I do think Dawson, Bush, and the entire staff, that's that's a huge thing to watch this spring. Yeah, and so you know, Dawson has the title. Obviously, he was a you know, special teams coordinator at Boston College for you know three years and did an okay job there but it's hardly like just him i mean scott frost said it himself that uh you know tony tuioti and greg austin are going to be running field goal and field goal block so that in itself i mean those are two things that uh you know dawson's not going to you know directly coach but just having a guy that is you can point to as saying he's in charge of special teams even if it is a collective effort still you know, it's, it's he's still in the front of the room, kind of making sure everything's organized the way it is. And um, I think we all agree that Bill Bush is very much going to be involved in special teams as much as they want to say he's going to be fo focusing on defense. I mean, his background as a special teams coordinator at the highest level at multiple stops and the production he's had. They would be foolish not to have him directly involved in as much of the special teams work as they possibly can um, off the field. So. You know, it's still going to be a quote-unquote group effort, but 
they have a guy that is at least the, the face of the unit, and they have a very experienced guy in Bill Bush helping out, and then you know with the rest of the staff chipping in, hopefully they're taking enough steps to prioritize that element of the game because, let's face it, it it's lost them multiple games over the last three years. Special teams has directly impacted Nebraska's success with, you know, all across the board, the lack of return impact, the, the kickoff return, um, and, you know, the, the field goal kicker issues, punting, all that stuff. So uh, that has to get better for them to finally start winning. And it looks like at least if they're not going to get a full-time coordinator, they're at least making efforts to make well, that they have a full-time priority. coordinator. They have a title on Mike Dawson. But still, he's, he's a linebacker coach, too. I mean, he's not a full-time outright But that's But that's how a lot of teams do it in the Big Ten. I mean, mo- analysts with a guy title then some do outright title but Nebraska chooses to have a quarterbacks coach an offensive coordinator who works with receivers so Nebraska just divvies up their staff and anything here to add Nate as we wrap up the segment well I just I think it's important that your special teams coordinator is actually on the field at practice you know last year the coordinator uh, was was an analyst so yeah he could be leading the charge in the meeting rooms but he couldn't be coaching it on the field and uh, and I think it's important that Dawson is actually on the field coaching during practice and is involved in, in that manner. And that it's, you know, it's a culture thing. And, and Travis Fisher mentioned that uh, earlier in the week when he said, you know, we have to build a culture of special teams, too. You know, all my guys have to be starting on at least one special teams unit if they want to see the field for me. And I, and I think that it starts with the assistant coaches placing an emphasis on special teams and having their best players be a part of it. All right. When we come back, we'll continue the spring football conversation i want to talk offense the quarterback position uh some other things to watch here as we get into spring ball that's next you're listening here to the Hoscar online show you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics big picture like every position you want to see improvement um quarter, quarterback specifically is protecting the ball um, and, and we can do some, some things. Quarterback always gets sometimes too much credit and too much blame. And a lot of times the success of a quarterback depends on how developed and how well the guys around him play. Uh, and we got to get better play out of everyone around him, from the O-line to the receivers to, to the running backs. But if from our quarterback, if we can be more consistent in making good decisions and not turning the ball over, that will solve a lot of problems. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was offensive coordinator Matt Lubick talking just about the offense and the quarterback play and the turnovers that they want to get cleaned up here as we continue our spring practice discussion talking offense. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill. They are home for Husker Volleyball. They won't be playing volleyball this weekend, but all the baseball games are on in there. The March Madness will be on there Saturday and Monday. It's been just packed every night. Great atmosphere to watch the games. So get on into Tanner's Sports Bar, 30th Yankee Hill. Check out all the new renovations, all the new TVs, great wings. I think some of the best wings, if not the best wings in town, uh, there at Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. Guys, Want to talk spring practice. One breaking news thing, though, that happened here right as our show was going on. Uh, tight end Kurt Raftall has entered his name in the transfer portal. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was kind of funny. Um, we were interviewing tight ends coach Sean Becton at practice this week. And um, Steve Sipple, our good friend and colleague um, from the Lincoln Journal Star, <laughs> asked them. Um, Becton about you know what's it say about a guy like Raftall that's kind of stuck it out and 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 not gone on the portal and <laughs> Coach Becton kind of was like well we'll have to see you on that one and, and then obviously about an hour later he he went in the portal but not a big surprise um, 
my read on this is he's probably waiting to graduate in May, wanted to kind of get a, a assess the situation. Um, but with Thomas Fedoni, James Carney here, Raftall um, was kind of the odd man out with Vokalek and Austin Allen. Yeah, and keep in mind he committed to Indiana before uh, um, uh, Kevin Wilson was fired and during that transition between Tom Allen. So, you know, maybe he wants to move, move back home closer to, to Indiana and uh, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall with that one. I mean, you just look at what – Nebraska already had in place uh, at tight end with Allen, Vokalek, and then the way they've recruited that position. I mean, <laughs> Thomas Fedoni is going to be hard to keep off the field. Uh, when James Carney's able to, to get healthy, he's going to be a factor as well. And then A.J. Rollins down the road. I mean, um, there's just a lot to combat there with a short amount of time to try and make your mark. And if it hasn't happened yet, you know, odds of it happening anytime soon, you know, probably not likely. So, you know, disappointing that, you know, Kurt couldn't have a bigger impact. But like I said, not a surprise. Well, and, and yeah, I think the, the fact of the matter is that not everybody is going to have a standout career. And um, it's not to say that Kurt Raftall is a, is a bad player or, or that, you know, he didn't meet expectations or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think that throughout any given career, there's going to be guys that that rise up and, and kind of stand out and, and other guys that fall back in the pack. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Raftal, I think he was one of the guys that kind of fell back as guys like um, Austin Allen and, and Vokalek. And, you know, and like you mentioned, Robin Fedoni is going to be an emerging player and, and so on and so forth. So uh, you only have so many years to play. And so, you know, it's, it's probably the writing is on the wall and it's probably, you know, in his best decision to, to try and find a, um, you know, a different place to, to have an opportunity, I guess. Yeah, and, and the, the numbers don't lie, guys. I mean, when you look at his playing time, he only played 15 tight end snaps last year, 15. The year before, in 2019, he saw 58. In 2018, Scott Frost's first year, he saw 162. Yeah. So as Volkolek got involved more, as Allen grew, because I feel like Austin Allen at the beginning of 2018 was probably on an equal level mm-hmm. with Raffel. Kind of and or with those guys. Yeah, it was. And Stahl was the man, but you've seen the development of Allen. You've seen, obviously, Raftal's emergence. And then Fedoni. I mean, you got the number one ranked tight end in the country here right mm-hmm. now. So th- nobody should be surprised. And he'll have two years of eligibility. My guess is he graduates in May. I don't know that for fact. Um, but I'm guessing this is his fourth year in school, so he's probably on track to graduate and. Um, he'll get an opportunity to go play somewhere for two years. You can't blame the guy. Yeah, and, and he'll have plenty of opportunities. He's a good player. He's gonna he's gonna find a, a good fit for him. And like I said, you know, being an Indiana guy, maybe he goes and plays in the MAC somewhere or something like that, and has a good career. But you know, going back to you know the tight end situation, I think the the real storyline so far this early this spring has been Austin Allen and the fact that he's kind of taken over as the alpha dog of that tight end room where, you know, he kind of had to sit in the Jack Stoll's shadow for the last couple of years. And now he's kind of uh, emerged as a guy that could potentially be a captain. He talked about that during his spring press conference, how that is one of his main goals this year was uh, to do enough on and off the field to uh, be voted a captain by his teammates. And Seems like he's off to a pretty strong start with that. I mean, he's a, he's a vocal leader who uh, has really kind of come into his own, uh, not only as a uh, you know pass catcher route runner, but I think he's really trying to establish himself as, as a blocker as well. That's probably been his biggest weak point, and that's a point of emphasis now uh, for him this offseason. And, um, you know, you pair him with Travis Volkolek and then the young guys they have coming up, that tight end room uh, seems deeper as ever. And, you know, I saw in your, in your interview with Becton, he said that this is probably the deepest tight end room he's had in his career. So, 
A lot he didn't want to go out with. and say it all the way, but he's like one of one of, the, of, one of but sure. if, but you know, I mean, you got to be careful. I think I mean, when he's at NFL guys in his room at <laughs> Central Florida, yeah. so they're the, but they're watching like Kyle Pitts cut ups right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're trying to come up with new ways, Nate, to use these guys. Well, yeah, and and I think that um, you know that's going to continue to happen. That was something that was that was kind of like the buzzword or or the the thing that everyone was talking about last year right before spring started was you know okay how how are they going to utilize the tight end position or is it going to become more involved in the offense well we saw that it was more involved in the offense this past year but i would imagine that it's going to that that's only going to grow given the talent that's in that room and uh, and i feel like you know Austin Allen is one of those guys you could kind of see that emergence happening you know him kind of developing not only as a player on the field but as a kind of a leader off of it um, you know and, and now I, you know I'm excited to see you know kind of the the next step he takes and and obviously you know having covered Thomas Fedoni's recruitment and everything and knowing uh, the type of athlete and, and player that he is I, I'm really excited to see how he may factor into the mix this fall too in the departure of Raftall now it, it puts technically Nebraska you take away the six super seniors um, that are on scholarship right now they're at 81 um, but there's some Wiggle room still at that. Like Connor Culp is not on scholarship yet. He's going to go on. Levi Falk is not on. He's going to go on. Oliver Martin is not on yet. He's going to go on. So they're probably at 84. um, But uh, Falk would count and Culp would count in that six-year super senior. It's really confusing on the numbers, but they have some flexibility and they still have room for two more transfers. So they had to probably process a few more guys in all reality if they're going to reward those guys I mentioned on scholarship, which they are, and then they're going to add two more guys still on this roster, Nate. Yeah, so um, it, and, you know, it was one of those deals where I think right now with the way the transfer portal is and, and everything, you you knew that there was going to be at least a, you know, a couple departures from this team, maybe not. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised, I guess, that it happened. You know, first week of of spring practice that that this announcement came out. But uh, you you had to figure that there were going to be f- at least a couple departures from the team between now and and the end of the semester. Yeah, you wonder how this all started for Raftal. Like he went through the whole winter program, yeah. and did he just get an idea of what the reps were going to be day one of practice? And just that's my guess. Day two didn't like uh, the the plan because. It, it, it just the way it timed out was interesting that he even went through practice because typically if you're going to go portal you do what warn like you know guys like warner and mccaffrey they're still on campus and they they work out in the rec center because they can't work out in the facilities anymore and people will say yeah i saw Ra- I, I saw warner and mccaffrey like working out in the rec center yeah and you know i wonder how much of it too is uh you know with uh, fedoni he's getting the bulk of his reps with the third team but he's also getting sprinkled in with the ones and twos so maybe you know, he's showing enough flashes where Kurt was like, all right, <laughs> I, I see my time is now. All right, my days are numbered. Well, guys, I want to talk defense next. When we come back, uh, we'll, we'll pick up this conversation, talk some spring football defensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I haven't reached my goal. Just haven't reached my goal. You know, I want to be the top um, secondary in the country here um, at this school. Um, and so I think I got guys that can do it. I really do. I think I got guys that can do it. I believe in the guys that I coach. I believe in the, in the staff and the direction that we are going as a, as a staff, as a team, and just the secondary. You know, those those kids uh, are good football players, and I think that those guys can be some of the top guys in the country this year. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. That was secondary coach Travis Fisher following Wednesday's practice. Um, high hopes, high expectations for his group that returns three starters. And really, if you count JoJo Dolman as kind of a nickel, really four of their five key guys, they've got to figure out um, you know that one other spot. And you know, Robin, you were in on that interview with Fisher any read at all what direction they're going to replace DiCaprio Boodle as far as who might have the up, upper hand or did, was it typical play it close to the vest? They're all they're all getting a look. They're all competing right now. Yeah, I mean, he basically said they've got four or five guys that are in the mix for that competition, but uh, it was a lot of the names uh, that, that came up were the names that had been coming up going into the spring. And, uh, I'd probably, the four scholarship guys. Yeah, basically. I'd probably put at the top of the list Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom. I mean, they seem to be kind of in the driver's seat there. And you got to keep in mind, before Braxton Clark got hurt, I mean, like he was in position to potentially start. No doubt. I mean, like he was he was that good, and they were really that high on him. And then, you know, Miles Farmer. I mean, uh, I'm, obviously we'll talk about that in the safety discussion, but with Newsom, he got a lot of playing time too. Uh, so I, mean, I probably put those two guys as maybe Clark a little bit ahead just because – you know, he, he was already in that spot, but uh, I don't think Newsom's that far behind him. So really this spring is going to be big for those guys to make their mark and um, see who can get uh, a little bit of a, a leg up going into the summer. Yeah, and, and I know they mentioned, uh, or Fisher mentioned Nadab Joseph to I keep forgetting about him. You know, I, I think I think he's somebody to at least pay attention to. Uh, we saw a little bit of him, you know, on special teams mostly before he injured himself. Uh, but I know that, you know, he's, he's working back too, but I mean, they got a lot of talent to work with right there. And so, um, you know, and, and he, he went out of his way to kind of, uh, say, Hey, you know, it's not just that one spot. We, we also want to be pushing Cam Taylor too, Mm -hmm. because, uh, he's somebody who, you know, needs competition, needs to continue to be pushed and and tested as well. So, um, you know, I, I think bottom line is there's a lot of bodies, a lot of capable bodies in the back end of that defense. And one thing about Nadab that Fisher did say was he's been doing great this whole offseason and is, is like sometimes at the football facilities before the coaches, you know, breaking down film. That's so good to see. He's putting in a lot of work and yeah. a lot of effort to get better. So I, I forgot to mention him for some reason. And Nadab, Nate, he was once a Georgia signee that went Juco, but before that he was actually an Alabama commit. Yeah, out of high school. I mean, he was – he was essentially, I mean, just a top a few, five corner in the country. Yeah, probably. a few spots away from being a five star prospect. Uh, committed to Alabama, ended up, ended up flip flopping to Georgia at, at the last minute on, on the early signing period, and then uh, ended up going JUCO. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, Nebraska is. I mean, he he's he's got the pedigree, and and I think that you know, you talk to you talk with anybody who who knows Nadab Joseph or has covered him or watched him play, you know, coming out of high school and everything, or even in junior college, the kid is is oozing with uh, potential. He's just got to kind of realize that and meet it. And it sounds like he's the the light bulb has kind of gone on, you know, with what Fisher was saying in terms of him being being one of the first guys in the facility, watching film, breaking down practice. Uh, you know, watching practice multiple times before they even uh, watch practice as a team. So I, I think that's a good sign. And you talk about COVID, it's not been good for Nebraska as far as some of the roster rules and things that recruiting, but it was a big deal with Nadab Joseph that, number one, they were able to get him in here and then get a free year out of him. So last year, nothing counted. And thank goodness, because he, he didn't really get much out of last year. And you think about like Xavier Betts, like, it was a free year for him, and and he could he's a true freshman again this year. So that's the one positive with a guy like Joseph that it was a free year um, that they could really 
utilize him. And a guy like Braxton Clark was injured, um, doesn't get charged a year of eligibility for last year. So um, there were a lot of positives to draw. They've got to get, though, more than one guy out of that group to emerge. They're playing Oklahoma, and I asked Shenander this earlier in the week. You know, when you play Oklahoma, you can't just roll out there with just two corners and JoJo Doman. I mean, if you put JoJo Doman on an island, some Big 12 slot receiver at Oklahoma is going to just run circles around your defense. So they've got to have more guys ready, I think, this spring, knowing that potentially week three for Nebraska on the schedule could be the fourth game We um, if they get a game on the fourth. Um, you know, they're going to be playing one of the best passing teams in the country in terms of speed and receivers. Mm-hmm. And especially with, you know, against those types of teams playing nickel, dime packages, I mean, you're going to need uh, probably all four of those guys to be on the field. And then that opens the door for some of those newcomers, you know, the uh, Taman Lynham, who got his name mentioned quite a bit last year. Uh, and then Marcus Buford, obviously, who might be, uh, you know, one of the top freshmen coming in here on the defensive side. Uh, I mean, I think those guys have every opportunity to maybe see the field early, especially in those games. Games where the secondary is going to be leaned upon so much against those pass-heavy offenses. Yeah, I think again the the depth is is something that is uh, definitely a positive, and you know it's going to be I, I think worth following to see who really emerges out of out of that group because there's a lot of really good competition going on there. Um, you know, and the more the more versatility you have in that back end of that defense, the the better. And we've seen them kind of mix and match and try to find you know the best way to get the you know the top four or five. DBs on the field at one time, and and I would uh, I would assume that that's going to continue to happen. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines, and you know JoJo Doman is such an important part of this defense, um, and and they really don't you know a year ago they didn't have a backup for JoJo Doman. I thought that was something interesting that JoJo said this week that he didn't really have anybody playing the position with him, uh, but now talking to Mike Dawson. Uh, Javin, Javin Wright is there. Isaac Gifford is there. Uh, Simon Odie, who's one of the better walk-ons in the program, is there as well. And another walk-on, John Bullock. But particularly Gifford and Javin Wright. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the future of that position that this spring hopefully will give us some more answers. Because JoJo Doman's been here already a long time. He's mm-hmm. been here six – I mean, I feel like I've grown up with JoJo Doman. He's been at Nebraska so long, and he's going to be gone. I mean, so they, they've got to get other guys ready to go this spring too there. Well, it's tough because JoJo is such a unique talent that there's not very many guys – I mean, on Nebraska's roster, many others that, that can do what he does. And so, yeah, starting now, they need to groom more players at that position to try to – replicate what he's been bringing to the field the last few years. And I think both of those guys you mentioned are really intriguing players uh, with Javen Wright and uh, Isaac Gifford. I mean, they're both, I think, perfectly fit the mold of what they want in that position. It's more just a matter of getting them instinctually up to par. And uh, I think they really like Javen Wright. Um, you know, Travis Fisher today, I uh, was asked about him. He called, said that Javen was like a coach and how much time he spent at the football facility and that when he wasn't in class, he was at the facility, you know, at practice, lifting weights, watching film at the training table. So he's, he's a guy that's always around and always trying to get better. And then uh, with Gifford, we all know about, you know, his, his football pedigree and, you know, what he's grown up with. Uh, I mean, he understands what it takes to succeed, and there's a reason he surpassed uh, a lot of expectations with how quickly he's risen up the the depth chart so far. So I think 
the future of that position is in good hands, but it's just a matter of getting those two guys in particular caught up to when JoJo finally is out of here. They have two capable backups that, that can compete for that job. Well, and I, I think it's you know, also key to, to have somebody to, to give JoJo a, a break every once in a while too because, I mean, that you're talking about someone who just took an insane amount of snaps last year. And, and throughout the course of a season, that, that's going to wear you down. And, and so, I mean, and JoJo is going to be an important player, especially towards the end of the year when when you're getting into the, the big-time meat of your schedule and, and uh, you know, you're needing somebody like him, a playmaker on your defense, to make those types of plays. Uh, you need him healthy and fresh, and, and so um, you know developing that depth behind him is is really key. All right, lots to talk about here as uh, we work our way through um, the early portions of spring practice. We're going to take your questions next. To lots of spring football talk and discussion this week. We'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Bill's obviously an accomplished coach. Um, I think it's a great, works out great for us and for him. You know, he's got family in Lincoln. I don't think without that, that we'd have an opportunity to have him in the role that we have him in. But Bill's going to help primarily with the defense, just off the field uh, schematics and things with helping our coaches. I'm sure he'll give a hand uh, to Coach Doss on special teams too. Uh, he brings a lot of expertise to the table that I think our coaches will be able to utilize. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus. That was head coach Scott Frost talking about the addition of Bill Bush, who's not a coach but probably is a coach. Um, he's an analyst um, that – Works with defense, but maybe works with special teams. So, like, I mean, it, it's kind of just this um, under – it's kind of like sandbag Bill Bush's role, but I think he's going to have a big role in this team, and uh, we talked about that earlier in the show. I want to take some questions here in the mailbag. Uh, Nebraska did their winter conditioning testing this week, and maybe they will put actual times out. They put out index points and <laughs> – I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, come on, like, give us the times and the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Damian Jackson was a, a, a leader and all that stuff, but uh, we were asked this question in the chat. Who do you think were the top five 40-yard dash guys on the team? And um, I won't name all my five, but I, I think one one or two I'd put in there, I think, would be Deontay Williams and probably Xavier Betts. Anyone that you want to add to that? Well, there's a couple track guys on there. You know, Ramir Johnson. You mean Demarion Houston? I mean, those are like elite level national Ashton, sprinters. Ashton Hausman's yeah. a ten seven hundred meter guy. So in that regard, they probably should be in that conversation. But I mean, Deontay Williams broke the record in the what was it? Pro the, agility, the pro, pro agility run. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably say he's he's a likely candidate. And I think someone like Luke Reimer is probably someone who's who's got to be. If he wasn't a top five, he's got to be. He close. ran four fives. I heard yeah. high high four fives, okay. which was the fat. And JoJo was like a four six five. I think so. Like Luke Reimer was the fastest linebacker. I, I don't know if there was anybody else in like the four six four five other than those two guys. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I feel like uh, those guys got to be right up there. Maybe maybe an Alante Brown or or somebody like that. Um, Cam Taylor Britt. Yeah, Cam Taylor Britt, obviously. You know, I, I think those are a couple guys that, that have got to be right up there. But uh, I agree with you, Robin. I think a Ramir Johnson, I would I would think, given you know, some of his times <laughs> out of high school, um, you know, would have been one of the fastest, top five fastest guys too. Was he a 100 and 200? Or just, he was primarily a 200 That's okay, guy. that's what I thought. Um, you know, at least 
his nat where he was like a national type of guy or like a state champion or level level type of type of sprinter coming out of high school. But he he did run some hundred meter and some sixty meter type of deals too. But uh, but yeah, his his best race was the two hundred. All right, next question. Call your shot now. Who is your two thousand twenty one spring game star? And for me, I, I've got to lean towards the wide receivers. I think it's just going to be a completely different looking group. I mean, think about a year ago when they were trotting out Cade Warner and you know a group of guys that just you know Wandell was in that group, but it just didn't look like what I don't think they wanted that group to be. And between Torre and Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, um, Oliver Martin. I just think somebody in that receiver room and that group in general, I think we're going to walk away from May 1 being, okay, they got some receivers finally. Yeah, and if I have to pick one of those, I mean, I won't say Samari just because, you know, I mean, he's kind of a guy we expect to be, you know, one of their top guys. But I think the rapid rise of Oliver Martin in the, 40 wide, inch in the wide receiver conversation is going to continue throughout the spring. And in the spring game, he's going to make some plays or at least put up some numbers that uh, are going to make you uh, not forget about him in that receiver conversation going forward. Yeah, I, it's hard to disagree with you that, that it could very well be a wide receiver. But I also think you can make an argument that it could be a running back. Uh, I think that, you know, listening to the way Greg Austin was talking, I mean, the, the running game is going to be a point of emphasis, especially a physical running game. And so I feel like, you know, it could very well be a marquee step or uh, maybe even a Gabe Irvin or, you know, Sevian Morris. And one of those guys in that backfield could very well, you know, rip off a couple runs that all of a sudden kind of becomes a, the spring darling or spring game darling that we're talking about too. And it wouldn't be a spring game without overhyping the backup quarterbacks. So Logan Smothers, no matter what he does, is yes. probably going to get a lot of attention. We'll be talking about him, sure. Our Harburg, I mean, you might say, you know oh, what, yeah. this guy, yeah, they, they took a took a good chance on this guy and, and it worked out. Um, okay, next question, and it's a recruiting one here for Nate and I. True or false, and it's a great question uh, because I, I do think it, it's a legitimate topic right now, is the 2022 in-state recruiting class the worst in dear old Nebraska U history, um, as far as you can remember in terms of offered players not picking Nebraska? And for context, Nebraska's made five in-state offers. They've gotten one. The other four have already eliminated Nebraska. Um, Micah Ducker-Riley uh, Ducker has not did – he, did he actually come out with a list? But Nebraska is kind of out of it with him too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think true. It, I, I don't ever remember, Nate, a time where five guys were offered from Nebraska and here we are on March 31st today that they're out of it with four of them. Yeah, well, and the, the bad thing is, is that it's not just – four out of the top five Basically four four stars yeah it's four four stars and so i mean when you're talking about needing to continue to to build your roster with a you know top 20 or or better ranked recruiting classes i mean man when you've got four four stars in your within your own borders that have basically shunned you and, and cut you out this early in the recruiting process, that's a tough blow. Uh, I mean, that's that's a really tough pill to swallow. Had you landed all those guys plus Ernest Hausman right now, you'd be sitting pretty with with like a top ten level, top fifteen level class. Easy, right? Right now, yeah, you'd be you'd have a top ten recruiting class in the country. You'd you'd be probably second or third in the Big Ten behind Ohio State's. I mean, they're on another level right now. They've got um, I think they've got the number one class in the country, 11, 12 commits, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you were able to secure commitments from all those guys, 
you would easily have a top 20 class in the country by the time things were all said and done. But um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. And, And there's a lot of different reasons, a lot of different factors involved in why things are playing out this way. But to me, I think the bottom line is, is that you got to fix things on the football field and, and get these in-state kids excited about being part of the program again. Next question, injury-related. Um, who is out right now with injuries for spring ball? And, and we don't have a lot of answers to that. I can tell you James Carney is out for two weeks, limited. He had shoulder surgery, um, so that that's obviously one uh, to keep tabs on. But you would hope that, for the most part, this team is healthy in spring ball because – um, you know, they've had a full winter to recover and off-season surgeries, et cetera. Um, so we'll see where they're at. But, um, you know, other than James Carney, did, did any other names come up on your groups, Robin? Not for out, but we know that uh, Braxton Clark and Miles Farmer are both back it's, doing stuff. So, I mean, that's encouraging. Yeah, I think. And then, you know, Nadab Joseph, I think, was one of those guys that was, that was back. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I mean, it sounds like – it's it's more healthy than than not in terms of players that are that are um, you know back from whatever injury they previously had suffered. I got a quick one here for you, Robin. Size up that competition at right guard. You were in on Greg Austin. Yeah, so he threw out a bunch of names. Um, you know, obviously Ethan Piper is in the, the left guard spot, but other names competing. You know, for uh, at both spots, Matt Sichterman, His names come up a couple times. Brock Bando, uh, that Newelli from Colorado State, Ezra Miller, Trent Hickson are probably the main guys to work with. Um, and he said Trent Hickson is also repping at center, so he's got a chance to be the number two center right now. Final question: Favorite Easter candy. <laughs> I'm going to go Reese's peanut butter egg. Yeah, that's hard to beat. Um, yeah. But they make a hol- I mean, it's kind of like they make that for everything. They got the holiday version of it, the Halloween version of it, but the peanut butter egg is, is up there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of a no brainer. Uh, you know what? I'm good for like one Cadbury egg. I, I like one. Anything more than that starts to get kind of gross, but that first egg of the Easter season. Yeah. Oh, those, remember those commercials <laughs> of the, the bunny and the yes, yes, I do. You got to go with the caramel Cadbury egg though. Oh, yeah. Oh, sh- no that's, brainer. That's the out of the out of the two Cadbury eggs, I I like the caramel <laughs> one rather than I don't even know what what's in the middle of yeah, the regular I don't one. Know. Yeah, I don't know if I want to know. If you tried to give your kids a Cadbury egg now, they'd be like, gross, what is this? You guys ate this crap? Yeah, the old school Cadbury egg, but the caramel ones, those are good. You can all agree that peeps are disgusting. Peeps are nasty. This gets stuck in your teeth. Get get the peeps out of here. (laughs) All right. Well, everybody have a good Easter. When we come back, we're going to close the show with some recruiting, both football and basketball. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I do believe that should be a local decision. You know, we need to do what's best. We're kind of past the point where uh, we need to keep it all the same. Uh, everybody's struggling and uh, athletic departments need revenue and, and fans are hungry to see uh, spring games and actual competitions. So I, I'm glad they made the decision they did. I'm just, I just miss the fans. Uh, going through that year with no fans was rough. Uh, that's part of what makes Nebraska special. People filling fill Memorial Stadium and the Sea of Red. And I'm sure as many fans as we can have in the spring game, uh, they'll be there. And uh, really got our fingers crossed that uh, come September, we have some home games and, and we're able to see a full stadium. And we're back here on the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and a class final segment as you heard Scott Frost talking about the decision to finally allow fans. Um, Nebraska was actually the only Big Ten program, though, to sell tickets 
two baseball games. Purdue allowed people in for free. Um, Nebraska sold 2,700 per baseball game, and they sold all those tickets easily. Um, unfortunately, no volleyball this weekend. Um, otherwise, there would have been 2,400 per match. Um, you know, if they if they moved those games to Pinnacle Bank Arena, they probably would have had 6,100 in there, which would have been easily filled up for what they had for state basketball. Uh, but that won't happen, as that those won't those games won't be played. Um, and then the red white spring game were cleared for 50 percent. Um, Lancaster County, though, still remains in the yellow, which um, it will be interesting if if they get down to the green, that, that will make that 50% number definitely happen. Um, but 50% would be about 44,000. Bill Moose would like 75%, which would be about 66,000. So we'll see what that number will be, but they will have fans in the spring game. That's going to help recruiting, even though they technically can't bring in recruits, but they can bring in recruits, Nate Klaus, as, <laughs> as we're going to talk a lot about. And, um, Recruiting-wise, there's been some official visits set up for June, at least two that we've confirmed, and I, I believe that's really all that's been done now. Uh, but give us an update on who has set up official visits to Nebraska here in, in June. Yeah, at least two that we know about that have been locked in. There's a, there's a lot of guys that are talking about it or that Nebraska is trying to look, work out the logistics and, and trying to lock in for those visit dates. But, um, you know, we, we know that the, the dead period is, is going to be coming to an end on May 31st. And James Mons third who is uh, the, the nephew of former Husker standout Wonder Mons, uh, is, is going to be coming in to, uh, to Lincoln for an official visit on June 4th. He's a six foot 180-pound cornerback out of Florida. Um, and then Popeye Williams, who, you know, right there, you, you got to – hey – I don't care. I Got don't my care. attention. Yeah, I don't care what position you play or, or you know where you're from. If your name is Popeye, um, yeah, I want you on my football team. If you know, and if you're a Husker fan, you need to pay attention to Popeye Williams. Uh, he's an outside linebacker out of Indianapolis. Uh, he too has locked in his official visit for um, June 4th, and you know it's going to become very, very competitive to get those first visits. I think, and um, you know, and and I think that we're going to start to see that first visit weekend really start to fill up here in the in the coming days and weeks um you know and, but we're also going to start to hear about many many more players making their way to lincoln for the spring game um it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they plan on getting tickets because i i know the football department you know they would normally be able to give those tickets out to visiting prospects and their families but um it's going to be a little different with the dead period still technically in place uh, for the spring game, but uh, yeah, a lot of you know recruiting is going to be picking up with with players finally making their way to campus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Robin. It's been um, pretty busy with basketball, as we know. Um, Nebraska basketball has um, been adding guys and and getting things done. Um, give us an update on the latest with recruiting as the Huskers did pick up a commit this week. Yeah, last Friday picked up a commitment from Xavier transfer C.J. Wiltshire, who uh, popped up on their board basically the minute uh, he entered the transfer portal after a relatively disappointing freshman season. He only played a handful of games and averaged like three minutes per game and or uh, three points per game. It really didn't have much of an impact, but – he got to play more at the end of the year and really started to make an impact. So when he did enter the portal, 
a lot of Xavier fans, um, you know, on message boards, social media, were really surprised and disappointed that, uh, you know, he was leaving because he was going to be a fixture uh, for their for their lineup for the next year, few years to come. And uh, he was regarded as one of the best shooters in the 2020 class, four star, you know, top, rivals 150 player. Um, that a relationship he had with uh, Matt Abdelmasi, who recruited him both at St. John's and then at Nebraska. Uh, when he and Fred took over here, uh, that immediately put Nebraska in the driver's seat to where, you know, he, he told me after he committed that he didn't really consider anybody else. So a big addition there, um, 6'5", 190-ish pound uh, shooter wing, uh, but even better, he's got a younger brother in the 2023 class named Simeon Wiltshire, who is uh, a five-star recruit, the number eight overall player in the country. That is a 6'5 point guard and will be one of the most coveted players uh, in that class. That um, The recruitment has already started on C- from CJ's part to get Simeon to Nebraska to follow him in the same way Trey McGowns was able to get Bryce McGowns to Lincoln. So uh, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on that they could potentially get uh, another two-for-one maybe uh, with another five-star coming to Lincoln. And you still spec- expect more roster movement. I mean, I know there's still some announcements that need to be made. I mean, what well, you're reading like one, now. I, I still think one more, and I think it's basically done. It's just a matter of making it uh, an official announcement on that. So uh, technically, right now, Nebraska has three open scholarships for 21-22. Uh, it'll probably be four. I mean, it will be four when all is said and done. And then uh, it's kind of a matter of what they want to do with those. Because right now, you have Kobe Webster back, who is on scholarship but doesn't count towards your 13 scholarship limit. Same thing with Trevor Lakes. Uh, and so you have two scholarship players that don't count against your limit that can free up a couple spots to keep in your back pocket. And you look ahead to 22, uh, that class, that's going to be a big class for Nebraska and having a couple extra scholarships to toy with, that could be a real valuable commodity there. So long-term, or I guess for the short term here, I would expect Nebraska to maybe add one or two more players. Um, probably two for sure. Uh, and then maybe keep a couple, uh, you know, like I said, in their back pocket to where if there's another mid-year transfer or somebody that pops up uh, along the way, uh, they have a lot more wiggle room and, and freedom to really pursue those guys. Nate, um, obviously the red-white spring game, we talked about visitors coming in, but I still think there's the potential, Nate, we could see an open practice for Nebraska and we'll see how that plays out. But we're seeing some teams around the country go with these open practices where they're open to anybody, which means recruits can come in. Um, I mean, do you get the read that it, something like these these things are working or a lot of kids coming to these open practices? Yeah, I mean, I know there's, there's some teams, especially in the region, that are doing it. Uh, Missouri, for instance, they have found a way to, to have some open practices. And, um, you know, I think their loophole is if you're – if you're visiting campus, you can take a campus tour uh, with a with an official, you know, um, University of Missouri, you know, admissions department. And part of the tour happens to be watching football practice. And so I know there's been players or prospects from Kansas City and St. Louis in particular that have been making their way to Missouri on the weekends um, or Columbia on the weekends to check out Missouri's uh, spring practices and and then they hang out at practice and uh, obviously the the contact with the coaching staff is cannot happen but uh, since it's technically opening or open to you know visiting potential students 
um, you know, these prospects are able to attend practice. And, and I think, you know, you got to find a loophole there if, if you're, you know, regardless of who you are, but especially if you're Nebraska, you have to find a way to get these prospects on campus and get them into, into practice so they can check things out. Um, you know, and, and a, so you can maybe get a leg up on your competition who may not be doing that, but also, you know, B just to, um, when we've talked about it so many times in the past that, I mean, Nebraska, this is a huge part of their recruiting process is getting kids on campus, especially kids that aren't necessarily from the, the region or from in-state or whatever. You know, you got to get them to Lincoln, got to get them on campus and get a feel for what it's like being a student athlete at Nebraska. Well, it's going to be a busy month here on Husker Online, so make sure you're online as, as we'll cover all of the baseball as well. Baseball's in Illinois this weekend, but plenty of spring practice coverage. Recruiting's going to pick up. Make sure you check us out at HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.